On today's episode, we're going to discuss how to communicate the value of a maintenance agreement to your customers. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I want to run a short clip from our Seizing the Summer series. This is a 16-week program that launches June 1st and goes on every Monday for 16 weeks. So if sales is not a numbers game, it's all about the ABCs. And I'm not talking about ABC like A, always B, B, C, closing from the movie Glengarry Glen Ross with Alec Baldwin. We're not talking about those ABCs. What we are talking specifically about is the ABCs of the activities and the behaviors and how you show up in your life, in your customer's life, in your company, and the things that you do to get the results. Because in the first episode, we, we actually took a deep dive in some, into the, some of the, the statistics. Easy for you to say, right? But we took a deep dive looking at the statistics. Well, as I said to you in episode one, the statistics are a result of the story that led to those statistics. So let's dive into what I'm talking about. A, attitude. You've got to show up with the right attitude. You've got to have an attitude of gratitude, as they say. Grateful for the opportunity that you have to go out and see a customer. You get a lead, you have an opportunity to serve another human being and make a connection with another human being. But you've got to show up with the right attitude every day, every call. That comes from you, that comes from within. And so you need to work on that every day, work on your attitude. If something didn't go right on the last sales call, you've got to reset, you've got to become resilient. But attitude is what drives this whole engine. And so we always start the ABCs with attitude because it's the most important thing. You get to be a thermometer or a thermostat. The cool thing about being a thermostat is, is you set the temperature. You decide what happens. You are the catalyst for action in your life and in customers' lives and within your business. They say that nothing happens until uh, a salesperson makes a sale or until somebody sells something. What I would submit to you is that nothing happens until somebody buys something and it's usually from a salesperson but they're only going to buy it from a salesperson if they connect with that salesperson. Now, if you're a premium member, you already have access to this, so make sure you tune in. If you're not a premium member, go to egaa.org summer and learn all about it. Now, we all know how great maintenance agreements really are. They can help you get through the slow times in your business and they lock in times for the homeowner to get proper maintenance done to keep their system running in tip-top shape and lasting as long as possible. This week, we're going to kick off a two-part series in communicating the value of the maintenance agreements to your clients. Let's join Gary Ellix. Hi, welcome back to EGI Contractor University. I'm Gary Ellix, and today we're going to talk about one of our absolute critical subjects for contracting, which is how a technician communicates and sells maintenance agreements. Now we can call those service agreements, club agreements, lots of different names out there inside of the industry, but at the end of the day, what we're looking for is getting a customer relationship established, bringing a client into your company, putting them on a prepaid or a monthly debit system, whatever method you want to use, and getting them into your marketing funnel. Without having the client relationship, we don't have access to our shoulder season promotions, we don't have access to the opportunity to communicate with them. Now, we all have, have seen the discussion, uh, hopefully you've seen the discussion on the earlier videos, that an existing client relationship builds trust, and part of that relationship of trust means that a client will spend 67% more money 
than they would as a new marketed lead or a brand new relationship where I don't know your company, I haven't had any experience with you, uh, good or bad for that matter, and I just don't really know what to expect. So my, my guard is up, my emotional uh, guard is up, the whole idea of the economic platform is uh, I, I don't trust necessarily what's going on. So the process of bringing a club agreement into the company is a marketing weapon. So we need to understand as service technicians, as service professionals, that our primary responsibility is to be able to help the owner and the service department and ourselves and the client build a trusting relationship through the maintenance program. And regular maintenance is something that we have to plan for, we have to organize around. So this presentation is about the communication uh, how we're going to market and sell that process. Uh, there'll be some ideas in here that you may ne not necessarily have as a company or you may not want to necessarily put in place as a company. That, that doesn't matter. Our focus today is about the idea of getting maintenance sold, communicating the value, talking about the features, turning that into a benefit platform, and ultimately having a system in the company. So the key is we need 1,000 maintenance agreements per million. We're looking for 1500 per million. That's the residential change-out revenue, the maintenance revenue, the service revenue as a million dollars. So if we have a million dollars in that bucket with all three of those segments, we would like no less than 1,000 club agreement customers and about 50% of our customer base on maintenance. That just gives us incredible leverage to keep our men working, to keep people fluid, uh, keep payroll moving, and also just the opportunities to transact and sell and just build those long-term relationships. So I can't stress enough how important it is for you as a service professional to understand the nature of the why. So I've just described for you the why. The how is what we're going to talk about on this video. We're going to talk through the principles of why a customer might be interested in that, how you may want to communicate some of those ideas. Um, each person's style will be unique and different, and that's acceptable. I mean, we love that. But what we need to do is we need to have some process points. We've got to check some boxes. So. If your company has two maintenance agreement visits inside of its club, um, that's fine. Ours has three, so our conversation with our men would be a little bit different. Uh, so we just want to walk through the dialogue. We want to walk through the practice ideas. We have to role play. We have to understand and internalize, and we have to understand the principles. So I'm going to take you to the whiteboard. I'm going to roll through some of the ideas for how to communicate the value, some of the basics that you guys might want to incorporate inside of your service meetings as you do your training. Certainly, you can take this video, break it down, and stop it and talk about that subject matter and say, all right, Gary's talking about you know, a lifetime repair guarantee. What does that mean? Do we, we have that. How do we communicate that? Or no overtime, or the idea that you're paying the lowest price for the repair no matter what. Whatever the moment is, you can stop that, have a discussion, and then work on that particular skill set on a day-to-day -day basis. And then over, over time, what we have is we have an internalization process. So then we'll come back into the learning library, and I'm going to show you some of the collateral materials that we use and that you could incorporate from not only the site, but basically as a company. You ought to be able to look at the idea and say, I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to you know, frame it, put it in my company context, put it inside of the service uh, platform, and with it, as a technician, I've got to learn how to use that tool. So it's no different than a set of gauges or a manometer or you know, basically just uh, sort of looking at the idea of what tool you're using. Uh, your brain is a tool. Your, your communication process is a tool. We've learned that communication is not just words. You know, 7% are the words, 38% voice intonation, voice inflection. 
55% are going to be body language, confidence, whether you believe me or not. Those types of things translate to homeowners. So your communication pattern is a tool. Your collateral materials become a tool. And then the idea of being able to talk through the actual economics, the physicality, and the emotional side is also a form of a tool. So we need to understand all those basics. That's relatively easy to do over time. It's something that if you haven't got that in your business, we need to start that process. So we'll come back into the lab. We'll look at some of those tools. And then uh, the basic idea here is you need to just make sure that your technicians are comfortable with the presentation side of this discussion. Let's go into the whiteboard area, and we'll talk about some of these ideas. All right, so we're back at the whiteboard lab, and so I've got some notes on the board, so let's go through them one at a time. So on my left-hand side, it's critical that you as a service professional, you as a, as a, I'm just going to call you a professional technician, you must understand that there are three basic processes that the mind goes through, that a consumer goes through, to make any decision as it relates to buying anything. Doesn't matter what it is. In this case, we are out on a crisis call. You've been called out because the customer has a failure. Contactor, condenser fan motor, reversing valve, igniter, uh, high limit switch, doesn't matter what it is. Pressure switch, motors, depends on where you are in the geographic zones. Also hydronics, got lots of folks up on the East Coast all the way down through some of the areas of DC. Lots of hydronics, lots of boilers. So the consumer has a problem. They are not in a good emotional state. They're not happy. So it's very important that we understand that we're dealing with the three areas. So the first area is the economics. I just experienced a, a failure. My air conditioning doesn't work or my boiler doesn't work. And so now I've got a problem. So what I'm overwhelmingly thinking is how much is this going to cost me? So that's primary issue number one. Secondary issue. This puts me in a negative emotional state. I'm not happy about this. I didn't get up this morning and go, oh boy, I get to have you know, a condenser fan motor fail and I can't wait to spend $650. I mean, we all can appreciate the idea that those types of things happen, but it's still a negative emotional event. So we have to recognize that. We're basically transacting something later. We know we're coming in with the idea that we'd like to get them to buy a club agreement. So, but I'm in no position to be able to force that issue. So, I mean, think about that. Basically, I'm spending a lot of money right now. I'm not in a good position economic-wise and emotional-wise. And so we have to think through how we're going to work through the customer relationship, get the customer appeased, make me feel very good about the whole relationship, and then we can talk about how we're going to transact the discussions. The fourth, or excuse me, the third area there then is the physicality of it. We have to be able to actually fix the, uh, the equipment. So the assumption here is that we as a group have gone through the inventory module, we've gone through material handling, we've gone through some of the ideas, and so we have the part on the truck. If it's a condenser fan motor, a contactor, a capacitor, wiring harness, fuses, relays, whatever, we're going to have most of that stuff on our stock. Uh, so as a standardized truck stock, you'll probably, but well, let's just make the assumption for this discussion, we have the ability to affect the repair. So these three areas are critical that you as a technician are aware of that condition. So you can't just push your way into a sales process. You can, it's probably not gonna necessarily go well for you. And then you layer on the idea of a social style. So again, I hope that you have gone through some of the videos on social styles because the social styles of the client are going to determine how well or poorly your relationship goes on the emotional side. Are you going to connect well? 
Do you have the ability to make the customer feel good about you individually as a person because your style is good as it relates to their style? Doesn't, there is no good or bad styles. It's just you have a style, they have a style. How are they actually connecting together? So these three areas are, are phase one. We have to train as technicians to understand that. So if I asked you, hey, what are the three you know, main issues relative to a consumer making a purchase decision? You need to be able to say, economics, that's my first thought. The emotion, I'm kind of unhappy about all this. It's really not, it's inconvenient for me. And in fact, I may be antagonized and stressed about it. Plenty of customers are out there that are whack jobs. And then the third area is that they're just worried about whether or not you're going to be able to fix it, or you know, do I have to buy a new system? I mean, all kinds of thoughts are running through their minds. So that's where we get into the perfect service call process, and hopefully you spend some time with that video and understand that there is a process that we walk through to break this down. That leads us in the perfect service call process to the idea, which is about step eight, nine, and 10, okay, which is now bringing us to phase two of the service agreement. How do I communicate the service agreement. How do I communicate the idea that the club is actually a really smart business choice for me as a consumer because this is business. We're talking about giving you money. I'm transacting retail. So the question over here becomes, how do I get my technicians, how do I get as professionals, men like you, in a position to understand the best approach to not only be able to do this, but also be able to transact, meaning that if we communicate and we don't transact, that's not a win for us as a company. So we want, remember, basically 50% of our customer base that's active should be on a prepaid form of a club agreement of some type. Uh, so that could be one year, two years, three years, whatever your company does. So I'm going to suggest that there are three basic principles at work here that you, as a service professional, need to understand. The first one is mindset. The second one is your attitude. The third one is understanding your products. So spend some time with Wally's mindset training, all right? Um, you know, if you go back to Napoleon Hill, or you bring it into modern day Tony Robbins, or you bring it into the current condition of, are you in a great frame of mind as you're relating to the client? They're going to pick that up. If you're in a great place and you're feeling good about the work and the relationship and what you're doing with the client experience, that mindset translates to the client. If you're moping or you're having a bad day or you've got girlfriend problems or issues are out there, that's also going to affect and the way the translation. So we had a, one of our service professionals, and uh, the guy's absolutely a top-notch A, number one draft pick player for us today. He's literally one of our very best service technicians across the board on all metrics. However, about seven years ago, we started implementing the tracking systems, daily reporting, daily training, etc. And he was doing pretty well. And he's a young guy, he's doing great, absorbing the training. And then all of a sudden, for about a, a period of about a week, he couldn't do anything right. He couldn't sell. Um, he was losing service agreement opportunities. Uh, we were putting him out on over 10 opportunities, equipment for lead turnovers. Uh, so, you know, because we felt very strongly about how good he did his work, he was in that position, so we had him ranked as a meritocracy as our number one go-to guy to be able to cr create the lead turnover. And uh, he was basically over. I mean, he couldn't do anything. So we just checked in with him, and um, he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm really having a lot of problems at home. I'm having girlfriend problems. My girlfriend wants to leave me. You know, we've been together for a few years. Uh, we talked about marriage. Now we're not, we're not getting along, and she wants to break up. And this dude was fried. Like, his brain was fried. 
his mindset and his attitude was mush. It was like a bowl of oatmeal. Now, we just pulled him off and we just set him aside and said, listen, you're a, a valuable team member for us. And so you need to get your mind right. You need to get your head right. This needs to be worked through. So you have a job here. We respect you. We respect what's going on in your world. Let us put you into maintenance for about a month. You don't have to worry about Jack. I'm going to pay you the same way I paid you as a service technician. We got your back. Get your mind right. So we put him over into maintenance for 30 days. He spent some time. We chatted with him on a day-to-day -day basis, just made sure we connected with him as a human being, got him back in a position. He ended up getting out and through that, and his mindset and his attitude came right back to where it was, and he's our best guy today. Like, I, I wouldn't trade him for anybody. So he always had the mindset and the talent, but he went through a rough patch. That can happen to anybody. So I encourage you to constantly have a process in your mind about how you're checking each one of your calls that you run. Each customer that you deal with is a personal experience between you and that client. They don't know what's going on in your personal life. They don't know what's going on in your business life. They don't really understand any of that, and nor should they. But your process that you use to make sure that you get your game on, um, you understand that that's it, like an inning of a baseball game. So for you, you need to get mindset, attitude, and an understanding of your products. So we'll talk about that here, understanding the actual products that you market. So for example, we offer precision tune-up. We offer a safety check. Those are basically products that are low cost, designed to get us in the door. It's about getting data. It's about getting to the equipment. It's about getting to the homeowner. Then we have a club agreement that's one year. We have a club agreement that's three, five, seven, and 10 years. So those are, that's a whole platform. We have an extended warranty agreement for a year. And then we have a 10-year extended warranty agreement. So we've got lots of products now that are part of the portfolio, but it didn't start that way. We started off with a baseline product of a one-year maintenance program, and that was it. And we got good at it. And we said, we're going to learn how to do this really, really well. We're going to block, we're going to tackle, and we're going to get excellent at it. So we want to train our service professionals on what the products are. We want to make sure that we understand not only the product, but we understand the actual benefits. So a lot of times what happens is there's a feature, and the feature might be, you know, I'm going to clean your coil, and that's nice. That doesn't mean anything to my wife. I'm going to clean your coil, and that's going to save you money is the benefit. So what we need to do is we need to understand how the product here relate down to the benefit structures down here. Now this the uh, blue area of benefits is just an example. I'm not saying that that's your company's benefit plan. I am suggesting that from a product point of view, the consumer does not know what the product is. We have to communicate that. That's our job. So we have to break through the economic problem. We have to break through the emotional problem, get them in a good place. We have to let them know we have a plan. We've got this, uh, you know, we've, we know how to solve this. We have the part, we can make the repair. Once we move that forward, that gives us the opportunity to talk about whatever product your company has. So let's break this down. Phase two. One of the things that we teach our guys, and I think it's useful for you, is the value of the maintenance agreement. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that each maintenance task, so if this is 169, our value of our maintenance is about $1,200. How do we come up with that? Well, we sat down and we simply looked at the maintenance agreement that I'll show you over here. 
and we said, if we were going to execute each one of these repairs, what is it that we would charge in the open marketplace? So if a customer called us with a breakdown, and we had to actually execute the crisis repair, and we looked at that, and we added up as a, as a set of stacked repairs, with, even with the discounts, what does the value translate to to the client? And the answer, it's, about, it's worth about $1,200. So $1,200 versus the price of the actual agreement at $169 seems like a really good economic deal. But again, remember, the client is in a position where I'm maybe paying $650 today. Why do I want to give you another $169? I'm not in a good place this way. So this issue of understanding how the value of a maintenance agreement is connected, basically how the construction of the agreement works out, is an important conversation for us to have as service technicians with ourselves, with our service management function so that we understand the ability to talk to a client. When a client says, well, why would I want to spend $169? I mean, I just, I just spent X with you. Didn't you do this already? And the answer to that is, well, it's mechanical, of course. And so, you know, it, the coil will get dirty again. And, you know, as we change filters and so forth, we need to come back and we need to make sure that all the conditions of the equipment are checked at least twice a year. So the value of your repairs then, whatever you're doing, has to be listed. You have to know what that is, and I'll show you what ours looks like. So we literally can show the client, well, this is what we're going to do to your system. Um, most customers today, they don't think twice about oil changes and you know, basically making sure that that oil change is done at you know, 3,000 miles, 5,000 miles, 6,000 miles, whatever. Back in the 70s, Nobody really believed that. Like that was a whole thing that got translated to marketing communications. People really didn't have the knowledge. I mean, so if you talk to people, you know, when I had my first car, I didn't know that. So until it was communicated and you saw the marketing and somebody said, well, yeah, you don't want to have your engine freeze up on you. You don't want to have that happen. So you need to bring it in, you know, for whatever, X dollars. We'll change your oil and we'll make sure that everything is right. Don't mess around with your filter either. Fram was very famous for this. You know, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. And they had the mechanic standing there over a broken down engine and, you know, the sullen customer. And so, you know, Fram oil filters are $3.99, whatever it was back in the day. They're more than that today. But $3.99 plus an oil change every 3,000 miles will keep you out of this. And then you have to get the picture of the guy standing there looking over the engine. And the guys, how much is that going to cost? Well, it's going to be about $3,000 to put a new engine in. So the discussion that we're having with Fram is the same kind of conversation that we need to be able to communicate to the client, that regular maintenance actually improves the life cycle of the equipment. So that is a benefit, and that's real life, if you're doing your maintenance. So the question becomes, know the value of the maintenance club agreement that you're pricing know the value of each of the benefits as they stack up what they're worth that's an important component and then know your benefits so let's go through the checklist okay so these are just uh, random benefits i've put up here i'm not saying that they're right or wrong i'm not saying that you as a company have these uh, this is an example of some benefits that we have no overtime as long as you're in the maintenance club, there's no overtime associated with any of the repairs that you would ever have if you call me out. And that's weekends as well, so that's an important consideration. Lower operating costs. So if we go to the studies that are out there, and there are some basic studies. Uh, one of the original studies was the Louisiana Cooperative Study back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, they studied the life cycle cost of equipment and operating costs if we just did regular maintenance. 
And basically, uh, even though it's an older study, we knew that that saved you know, 30% up as, as much as 30%. It's not saying 30%, it's saying as much as 30%. If you had a dirty coil and uh, a dirty blower and you cleaned that up and you got that machine cleaned up, you could get the uh, system back operating. And so it could be as much as 30% uh, decline. So I wouldn't quote that number, but I would quote the idea to the homeowner that a clean system, you know, a clean coil, a system that's operating at peak efficiency is going to save you money because it's going to cost you less to operate it. It runs itself better. It's no different than, you know, you having dirty windows. You can't see out the windows. When you clean the windows, you can see through the windows. It's just a better efficiency. We're looking at a miles per gallon metaphor with our guys. So listen, when we tune your car up and we put your, position, your machine in a better position to run, your miles per gallon is going to improve. So obviously, uh, we don't really know what that is until we get in there and take a look at it. But it, if we do regular maintenance, we'll keep it operating at peak efficiency. That's going to save you money. And it will probably more than cost, it will probably more than offset the cost of the club agreement. Failures will drop. How do we know that? Well, we track that. We've been tracking that for a long time. So we know for sure that if we do regular maintenance, that does not mean that individual customer will not experience a failure. And there, and there, that lies, you know, one of the issues that you know the clients like. Well, you guys were just here and did the maintenance, and the machine's broken. What are you doing? So you're going to get some of that. That's real life. That's service managers will tell you. We get that on a regular basis. If you have a big enough customer base. That's going to happen as a percentage. But we also know that we don't hear from the clients that didn't have a failure because it didn't occur. So what we can say is, is that our maintenance club customers represent a much lower percentage of our repairs in our crisis calls. And so that's the discussion we have with our men. Is we've done the work, Mrs. Jones, we know for sure that our club customers just call us less for crisis repairs. It doesn't mean that you won't necessarily have a problem because that can happen. It's a machine. It's a mechanical device. But what it does mean is that you will never pay overtime. You're always going to pay the lowest price. We'll have a lifetime guarantee on repairs. That's our uh, unique selling proposition here. So that's another benefit. So we can communicate that to the homeowner and say, you know, nobody likes to have a failure or a breakdown, but we're always going to put you in the front of the line. So, you know, from the standpoint of being prioritized, we're going to put you in, you know, first or at least in the front of the queue for, you know, not, no new customers are coming in front of you. And if we do have to experience a repair, if we do the repair, you won't pay overtime. You will always pay the lowest price that we have, and we will guarantee that repair for life at that point. So that, those conversations are designed to overcome the emotional conflict that the homeowner is having with the idea of giving you the extra in our case, 169. It just doesn't feel good to give people extra money after I didn't want to give you the 650 in the first place. As usual, awesome content from Mr. Gary right there. Now, if you're interested in learning more about this topic, I'd encourage you to sign up for our 30-day free trial by clicking join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process and you need the whole thing to make it all work. Now, we have a lot more content from Gary on technician communication and selling such as the proper mindset and attitude for technicians, fixing the customer before fixing the problem, the perfect service call process, presenting options to customers, presenting service agreements, and about 20 other topics. So sign up today for a trial and try it out for yourself absolutely free. And if you're a member already, well, you better start logging in 
and watching all these courses from the master, my friend, Mr. Gary Ellis. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Until next week, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.